Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, early childhood educators, and welcome to another episode of Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa May, your host, and today we have Season 4, Episode 4, where we are diving into the exciting world of back-to-school prep. Yes, it's that time of the year again, so sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's dive in. I really love to keep my back-to-school prep simple. Yes, I have been teaching for some time, but really I've only been in this classroom and in the public school setting for seven years. So I am not a 30-year veteran teacher who's been doing the same thing year after year after year after year. I am still in the stage where I've been trying lots of new things when years come, and I am still adjusting my classroom as I learn more and more about play. But I have figured out how to keep my back-to-school classroom setup to one to two days max, and how to keep my planning and prepping time to about a week before school starts. If I need to do more than a couple of days in the classroom, it's really just because I decided to do a new project and rearrange some things, or maybe I went to a lot of the found materials places here and brought back so much stuff that it takes almost a whole day just to organize it. If I do not do any major rearrangements or I don't pick up a lot of stuff, I can get everything done in two days and then just a few extra more days for about a week, a total of about a week to do some planning as well. So let's talk about our essentials for back to school prep for early childhood educators. First, let's talk about play because I mean, what else do I talk about but play? my favorite subject. It gets me so excited. And the beginning of the year is a really great time to take anything that you've learned, any research that you've done, and try out some new ideas. It is a great way to set yourself up from the beginning to start incorporating more of those play ideas. Remember, if you're not ready to revamp your entire philosophy because that can be really difficult, start little. Maybe start just by putting out invitations or decide that this year you're going to step back a little more and let the kids play and you're going to observe. Play is not just fun, but it's fundamental. It allows our little ones to explore, imagine, and learn in a way that suits them best. And guess what? Simplicity is our best friend here. Remember, it's not about how fancy your classroom looks, but how inviting, engaging, and child-friendly it is and the materials are. Collecting all the materials at this point is a really great idea. Start going through recycling at your house, your parents' house, your friends' houses. Start asking for collections of buttons, fabrics, all of those things to get that play going. The next piece that is really essential to preparing for the beginning of the year is creating a welcome letter and your meet the teacher letter. Nothing sets the tone for the year quite like a heartfelt welcome letter. Make it warm, make it inviting, let your students know just how excited you are to meet them. 
And of course, the Meet to Teacher letter. Let them know who you are, not just as their teacher, but as a person. Share fun facts about yourself, and trust me, it will help you connect with your students and their parents right from day one. My actual favorite thing is to do a Meet the Teacher letter with just a little bit of basic information, to also do the welcome letter with everything included that you need for your classroom. Tell them if they need sleep rolls, what kind of backpack they need, what lunch looks like, what the routine looks like, how many kids there are, how many minutes they're playing. Literally everything you can think of. Because this will set you up from having parents have question after question after question after question. You can always refer back to it and eventually they will refer back to it and they will start to leave you alone. Another thing that I love to do is to send a video. I actually send two videos to my families, one for the adults, just basically reiterating what was in the welcome letter and what to really look for the important things in the letter. And then I send a quick little video for the kids. I will tell them who I am, what class might look like, what we're going to do together. And then I actually, I just remembered why I didn't write this one down was I also do a third video and I asked the parents to play it the night before school and it is me reading the children either, I've done two different books, either our class is a family or a letter to your teacher on the first day of school or the night before preschool. I've been doing the night before preschool a lot lately and then saving the other two for the first couple days of school. And I'm telling you, these are so popular. The parents love it. They thank me for sending them. And it's a really great way for them to kind of meet you before meeting you even better than a letter. Next, organizing your classroom, setting up the space. This is a huge one, but I just want to say don't put too much pressure on yourself because if you are setting yourself up to be play-based, you want everything to be flexible and fluid. So we all know that the setup is the heart of your classroom, your schedule, your space, your organization. So create a schedule that provides a balance. We're really looking for a lot of time for free play, at least an hour if you can give it. And we're looking for free play multiple times a day. According to Eckers, you have to have 205 minutes. And that's a lot, especially if you have a schedule like mine where I am uh, entitled to follow the master schedule of the school. So lunch is when lunch is. Recess is when recess is. Our prep time and our, our specials are when they happen. My principal sets that tone. Of course, I have a little bit of space to ask for some flexibility or to rearrange things if it's possible. But she's writing the schedule for an entire school and to give the specials teachers there contracted preps and things like that. So sometimes we have no say in that and then we just have to schedule everything else around that. And don't be afraid to do the best that you can. Sometimes we play for a little bit and then it gets broken up by something else and then we continue to play. And when you're thinking about setting up your classroom, you want to make sure that it is inviting, it is welcoming, it's aesthetic. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to match and be perfectly beautiful. It just needs to be pleasing to the eye and not feel cluttered. You really want to make sure that you are providing your children space to play, uh, you know, space to save. Uh, is there wall space for their work? And is everything calming and soothing? 
I really suggest not putting a lot of stuff up. I have an entire podcast about this, which you could go into if you really wanted to go more into depth about classroom setup. But these are just some really quick ideas because it is usually the biggest thing. Like I said, I spend two days and two days is cleaning, prepping toys, and getting everything set up. And don't forget about that so important cleaning. Wipe out those bins, wipe off those shelves, and dip those toys if you haven't done so already. Now, after this, the next thing that we have to do as teachers is creating the essentials wish list. Some people I know are not allowed to use wish lists, but our school has gone to using wish lists for supplies. And then this really allows us to add other things to the wish list that we need for the classroom. I will also say that for us, we have a DOE shopping website where we are asked to order as much as we can from there. And I can get a lot of things that I really need but it doesn't have everything, especially if there's something specific that a child is wanting to use or to learn from. So anything else that I cannot get off that site, I add to a wish list. So a lot of the things that I add to my wish list are your basic supplies. Like I ask parents for crayons, I ask them for markers, scissors, paper towels, wipes, baby wipes, uh, plastic baggies, things like that. Then I also ask for the typical consumables, which are usually art supplies like feathers, beads, glitter, things like that, the things that go really fast. We don't have to add paper, but if you do, this is the perfect place to do it. Construction paper, computer paper, large construction paper, and don't forget about that watercolor paper, paint paper, and maybe even some origami paper or tissue paper, things like that. And then I also like to add just, you know, some books that I'm looking to add to our collection. Uh, some parents love to buy that kind of stuff. And then just a few of those bigger things. Um, you know, they don't always get bought, but they sit there until somebody does decide to. I try not to put anything more than $25 on there. Um, also, you know your community. If that's too much for your community, then keep it less. If you can ask for more, ask for more. Uh, but I usually keep it to about $25. And that's $25 like at the most expensive item. Obviously, your whole wish list is going to be much more than that. And so after we create our wish list, since we get all of your supplies, we want to send out our parent surveys. I do include a link in my welcome letter to these parent surveys, and I send out two different parent surveys. I send out one with all of your basic information, like who is your child, how old are they, when's their birthday, do they have siblings, you know, what are their fears, what are their likes, what are their habits, how do you discipline them at home, just so that we can get all of that basic information. I really usually also hope that parents add things like, hey, we're divorced, we're in this kind of situation, so that we know how to handle those things. I try to ask those questions as sensitively as possible, and all of the questions are optional. They are not all required, but I do encourage the parents to try to fill them out so that we can partner together. It's all in the name of partnership. The second survey that I send out is an identity survey. Now, this does include a lot more sort of personal information, um, but I have found that the parents really truly love to fill it out because it is me trying to represent their child 
in the way that the parents want the child to be represented. So I can't do that unless I have more information. I don't want to guess, so I ask for it forthright. And this is exactly how I present it to the parents. We do a lot of identity work throughout the entire school year, and I want to make sure that I am helping the children identify accurately, or at least accurately according to their family values. So a lot of the questions on there are things like, how do you identify as race? Like, how do you identify as this? What is your uh, personal background story? Do you have any cultural things that you celebrate as a family? Do you have a religion that you identify as? Of course, again, all of these questions are optional. I definitely have some families who don't always fill them all out, but I usually get a lot of the basic information that helps me represent them accurately. And it really also sets the tone for me being able to ask questions later. So like if we are doing this work and there's something that I really need to know that I don't know, I just ask a parent. And in doing all of this prep ahead of time, like parent surveys and welcome letters, it really sets everybody up for things like parent night when they come back. I like to use the beginning of the year to make sure that I am preparing myself for parent night because it's usually the first couple of weeks of school. And I kind of just reiterate all of the information that I shared with them earlier because we all know that people need to hear things multiple times for it to sink in. So do not be afraid. This is my huge tip for you now. Do not be afraid to repeat yourself. Even if you put it in the welcome letter, even if you put it in your meet the teacher, even if you said it in the video, I say it again at parent night because everybody needs to hear things multiple times. You know the rule of seven? They say you need to hear things seven times before you decide to buy or buy in or really remember it. There you go. And so my beginning of the year school prep really helps me decide what I'm going to share with them on parent night. And then finally, the most important, well, I've said a lot of things are the most important. These are all essential, but probably your most important that's going to keep you most prepared is planning. Oftentimes, I get a lot of questions about how do you plan for play-based? And honestly, you can't really, especially if you are following the child's lead, but there are always a few things that you can kind of prepare. You can follow a framework, and if you are like me and have to have a specific morning meeting, then I plan all of my morning meetings. And anything that I do planned is always fluid and flexible, just like the classroom space. You might set it up and find that they're using it differently, so be prepared to be flexible and change it. Same thing with my plans. I can plan morning meeting for the entire year from the beginning because I know what progression I want to take. I know what skills we want to sort of introduce and work on. Is it going to happen exactly? Probably not but it's prepared. So I'm not required to hand things in, but if you are, this is your chance to do that. Plan everything that you are required to plan, but make sure you know that it's going to be flexible and create frameworks and space for adding in the children's interest if you are trying to go more child-led. Because that is the best part about being child-led. You don't have to sit here and spend your entire summer preparing all of your plans for the whole year. But you can be prepared for the whole year with just a little bit of work. And the beauty of all of this is I have an Early Childhood Educators Thrivival Kit that is going to help you do all of this. It is going to help you plan those first essential 40 days of school. 
it will set you up for all of your routines. It'll set you up for a successful year. It'll give you the templates of my welcome letters, templates of labels, templates of everything that you need to set yourself up for the beginning of the year and be prepared for the best year you have ever had through the lens of play. I Trust me, it's awesome and it's here for you. And you can check that out. You can find it at my website or check me out on Instagram and you can go ahead and grab it. We covered a lot today and I know we may not have gone as deep as we may have wanted to, but there are lots of podcast episodes and blogs that support a lot of the things that I talk about. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I share a lot of this there as well for more information. During this time of the year, I love to also do a lot of coaching sessions because I am here for you to support you and mentor you in the ways that you want to be mentored to set yourself up to be a play-based educator. So dive into some of those coaching sessions and let's get going one-to-one so you can go where you want to go. Embrace that simplicity at the beginning of this year. Set yourself up for success. And thank you for joining me today. I can't wait to hear about how your back-to-school prep goes. Let me know in those DMs on Instagram or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear it. Check out the Early Educators Thrive-Vival Kit and jump into a coaching session. And I'll see you next week for next episode. And until then, keep on playing. (music) 